Welcome to Movie Geeks United, everybody. It's Blu-ray time. We're covering the Blu-ray releases for November. And uh, yes. couldn't be more excited. Yes, in our post-Thanksgiving state mm-hmm. of intestinal distress. I'm just kidding. So we're stuffed on turkeys, and I'm sure this month's calendar will be as well. <laughs> well... There are some questionable releases. Uh, I'm sure there are some fans of even the questionable ones, as there always are. So, But uh, we'll get started with them, nevertheless. We'll start with, as we usually do, we do these chronologically. So we'll start with November the 3rd, where V for Vendetta from 2006 got a 4K upgrade, courtesy of Warner Brothers. Mm. Warner Brothers proper, not Warner Archive, but Warner Brothers proper. Warner Brothers hasn't been releasing a lot of films this year for obvious reasons, so they've been dipping into the catalog and doing some 4K stuff. And V for Vendetta is one of those titles. Uh, what was your reaction to V for Vendetta all those years ago? Honestly, I don't think I saw it. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces, but it, it didn't um, it didn't interest me from the start. But uh, should I see it? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> It's pretty subversive for a mainstream film. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest comic book fan, and it's based on a graphic novel, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So I, I would say it's one of the better graphic novel adaptations, of course, starring Natalie Portman. Uh, but like I said, 2006 on that one. The, um, and we normally don't talk television, but I'll mention that the Game of Thrones complete set has been issued in 4k the complete series with all the extras that are carried over from previous releases and all that stuff so Mm. um if you're a game of thrones fan there you have it kick ass from 2010 has been issued in 4k Mm. it's courtesy lion's gate 4k now now i'm gonna come across as really stupid so if you don't have a 4k player or TV, you could still play it, right? That's right. Yeah, it okay. will play. You just won't be able to get the full spectrum of the picture that okay. you would. Because I, I got this, I got this Rambo box set, and I said, "Oh, I'll play some of this." And I, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, I couldn't find my remote for my DV, for my Blu-ray player. So I'm, <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll uh, it'll play them uh, if you pop it in there. It should just, no. Uh, you put you yeah. I, anytime I try to I try to do it without a remote, the min it won't work on the menu if you try to press play from the player itself. It it doesn't do the it doesn't work right on the menu, so I can't play it. It just sits there on the main menu. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I may be I may have misstated. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think a 4K disc will play in a normal Blu-ray player. So I think that is the way that it works. Damn it. But if you have a Blu-ray it will play in a 4K player. That's what I was. Right. That's what I should have said. So, that's yeah. You are correct. All uh, this, all these elitist formats. <laughs> yeah, uh, I misspoke. So yes, but um, yeah, you'll have to have a four a 4K player to play the 4K discs, and and you will have to have. I guess what I should have said was you'll have to have a 4K capable monitor and able to fully yeah. see the picture as you should. So. Yeah, but um, 
but it is backwards compatible. If you get 4K player, that's all you need. You can pl- still play DVDs and Blu-rays oh, in that, so you don't need but the one player. I, that's I, the good news. I, too, am backwards compatible. That's interesting. <laughs> well, um, so, like I said... T- <laughs> Where do, where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? <laughs> uh, well, Josie and the Pussycats, the television series, so we'll go there. That's where you go. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, the complete series, uh, the animated series, has been wish, issued by Warner Archive with some extras. and um, It's a multi-disc set, I believe. 1970 to 71 it is. Yeah. That was a favorite for a lot of people of a certain age group. An early Rosario Dawson. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Well, this is the actual animated series. Oh, it's the animated. It's not the movie. Okay. Yeah. But it led to the movie is what I was getting to. All right. Uh, Yeah. This is the actual animated series, which has been uh, long requested. But anyway, The Mortal Storm from 1940 is another Warner Archive release. This one stars Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart in in an early uh, performance. One of his earlier films, anyway. Um, Robert Young and Frank Morgan. It's the story of Hitler's rise to power as seen through the microcosm of one German family. And it was kind of a controversial film. I think it um, it was such a big deal that Joseph Goebbels banned all MGM movies in Germany because he felt like it was critical of, obviously, the the, uh, the Nazis, as, as it should have been. Uh, so it was kind of ahead of its time. Anyway, this has been... Uh, a movie that's uh, well regarded based on uh, a novel by Phyllis Bottom and Bottom. yeah B O T T O M E I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it um this includes this release includes uh MGM cartoon Peace on Earth and a short called Meet the Fleet and the theatrical trailer so the mortal storm from 1940 has been issued by the good wow. folks at Warner Archive I have not gotten around to seeing it but uh, I say that they they say that it is pretty powerful, is what I'm hearing. So, um, mm. a 2018 horror film has been issued by Arrow. It's called The Lake Michigan Monster, <laughs> and it's kind of a horror parody, uh, obvious, uh, in the vein of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Oh, films, this is 2018. Of. Yeah, 2018. Huh. Uh, but it's kind of a retro. Uh, horror parody about a uh, obviously the the creature of the film's title, the Lake Michigan Monster, mm. and it's it has gotten some love on the cult film circuit, and uh, anyway, it's got a new transfer and some new extras, courtesy of the folks of Arrow. Uh, the Shepherd of the Hills from 1941 stars John Wayne and Betty Field and Harry Carey. That's a Kino release. It's a western. Uh, they've also released another John Wayne film, Seven Sinners, which also stars Marlene, Marlena Dietrich. That's from 1940. And we have Man of the Year, starring Robin Williams from Sony, mm. <laughs> one of their uh, on-demand titles that they've been issuing on Blu-ray. And uh, I don't remember that being a high spot in the career no. of Robin Williams. <laughs> No, that wasn't – hang on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a good one. There was like a series of uh, comedies with famous comedians where they would do – a one of their throwaway movies would be political-natured. Because mm-hmm. if you remember the Eddie Murphy, Distinguished Gentleman, 
And uh, is Man of the Year political? Because I remember him in a, like a George is. Washington wig on the cover. Yeah, that's the one. I think Barry Sonnenfeld is. Did he direct that? I believe. I want to say, but uh, can't recall for sure. Now, World's Greatest Dad is pretty good. Oh, that's great! I love that. Yeah. Um, The Big White is a film that he made during the last years of his yeah. life that I think people don't talk about. I, that's a dark comedy, and boy, I thought it was great. Um, supposedly that's the movie he was making when he fell off the wagon and started drinking again, but. Uh, that's a, that's a great dark comedy that nobody talks about. Um, I, I laughed quite a bit, but it's, it's definitely not for all tastes. The big so, white. Yeah. The big white. It's yeah. Good. That was on TV the other night. I didn't see it, but it is worth your time. I would Ooh, say. Okay. Yeah. It's one of the better late entries in the, uh, the career of Robin Williams, but yeah, world's greatest dad. I loved, I've seen that twice. It's really Levinson Levinson directed man of the year. I thought so. No, no, that's what I meant. I said Barry Sonnenfeld. Right, I meant Barry. Barry. We got the Barry's <laughs> mixed up. Barry. Yeah, I meant Levinson. I don't yeah, know why I said Sonnenfeld. Clearly, it was Barry Manilow you were thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> Barry Manilow directed. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, anyway, we stand corrected. A Cat in Paris is a Shout Factory release. It's an animated film from 2010 that was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. And I can't say that I'm familiar with it, but Shout Factory has issued it on Blu-ray, A Cat in Paris. Mm. So, anyway, the Home Alone 2 movie collection has been issued on Blu-ray. I guess this is Disney that's putting this out. They put it uh, put these two films out in, um, uh, together on Blu-ray. Uh, I think the original has been issued on 4K now. But anyway, if you're clamoring for Home Alone 1 and 2 in one package on Blu-ray, you, you now have it. Is it true I'm hearing that uh, some broadcast networks, when they show Home Alone 2, they're editing out the uh, footage of Donald Trump? Uh, somebody told me that his scenes are cut out of the movie now when it's shown or something of that nature. Somebody was. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. People are <laughs> People are so, so sensitive. Yeah, I was hearing that. Oh, I can't take it. He's in freaking 30 seconds of Home Alone 2. We have to pretend <laughs> like it never happened. Please. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, I'll mention a biopic that's recent uh, that was, that's you know, not bad as far as musical biopics go. Uh, I Am Woman, the Helen Reddy story, which was a theatrical release back in September, is coming to Blu-ray. Uh, I thought that was okay. The uh, the lead actress that played home, uh, Helen Reddy in that film, I thought she really embodied her spirit mm. and uh, the, got the vocal. You know, she was uh, did a pretty good job there. It's um, what was her name Tilda Cobham Hervey? That's her name. But um, anyway, directed by Unju Moon. It's a director I'm not familiar with. But anyway, I am woman. If you like those musical biopics, it's one of the better ones. I would say it's definitely better than Bohemian Rhapsody. I know mm. that's sacrilege to say, but um, well, they got that movie in right under the wire, man. I mean, the, the, thankfully she was able to see it and enjoy it before her death. That's true. Yep, just barely. That is true. Well, anyway, we will move along to November 10th in a movie that we were just talking about right before we started the show. Play Misty for Me has been really? issued. Really? Yes. I had no idea that that had come out. Yes. Before our show started, we, Adam and I were having a long conversation about Play Misty and uh, a, a bunch of Hitchcock movies that our listeners will never uh, be able to enjoy because it was pre-show. <laughs> pre 
Well, Plant Misty for me has been reissued by Kino. It's been out on Blu-ray before. Universal put it out around 2013. They issued a, uh, a multi-disc collection of all the Universal Clint Eastwood titles from the 70s, and this was among them. Mm. Um, Does it have anything extra on it? Yeah, it has a new audio commentary. Um, I'll have to check real quickly to see who did the uh, the commentary on this one. But uh, I know it has – yeah, it's not saying who the com- – but anyway, there is a new audio commentary on this uh, new issue. Of yeah, Play- you know, I know Eastwood has a lot of sycophants out there, and uh, for good reason, uh, because uh, occasionally he stumbles into art. But, uh, man, they're awful, forg- awfully forgiving, because Play Misty for me is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, it definitely has a few troublesome spots. Let's just put it that way, uh, here and there. <laughs> we were just talking about how it stops dead for a, a jazz festival right in the middle yeah, of the film. Two, two, <laughs> two musical montages back-to-back. Neither <laughs> one of them have any reason to be there. <laughs> and then constantly like <clears throat> panning close into Eastwood's face. As he's trying to contend with this psycho woman, and uh, you know, in his face is—he's not the most expressive of people. But uh, it, you almost expect to hear the Debbie Downer music when it pans out on his face, like wah wah. <laughs> like he's sitting there saying, "What am I going to do about this crazy woman?" Oh, the lead man. Perf- yeah, we were talking about the lead performance being set up to eleven, and it's just—it's the the thing is tonally unfocused and. Uh, it's just a, a hodgepodge of just uh, bad decisions, I think, uh, on his part as a filmmaker. But it was – was this his directorial debut? No. It was, I okay. think, yeah, because oh. Breezy came two years later. Right, okay. Yeah, well, I'll cut it some slack. Yeah. He was... <laughs> <laughs> but it's not suppose... some great thriller. I mean – uh, it, it's an, it was a unique idea for that time, I think, mm-hmm. to kind of explore – but I was talking to my friend Aaron, and he said, yeah, I prefer Jessica Walters in that movie over Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. And I was like, you, you don't like your your dr- dramatic portraits to be grounded in any form of reality? Or, I mean, it is a kabuki performance. Yeah. Uh, and and, uh, and it, it follows the rest of the movie, and that the rest of the movie shows no signs of subtlety whatsoever. Mm-mm. That's so right. Maybe it's all of a piece, but I don't know. I couldn't get on board with it. Well, the the difference between Fatal Attraction and Play Misty for me is the fact that, you know, Glenn Close, she actually is believable as a sane woman at the beginning of the movie. I mean, you you buy into it. It's, it's a gradual revealing of the character as opposed to Jessica Walters, who's Looney Tunes right from the from the first time you see her. I mean, it's pretty obvious. That's true. And her performance is set to the set to the tone of um Betsy Palmer at the end of the first Friday the 13th. Yeah. When she's yep. like saying, Mommy, Mommy. Like that's. Yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the kind of performance. And I don't blame her because I'm, I'm sure that she was directed to behave like that. But. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's. That is a problem. Her. The way she. Uh, she does it. But, you know, you do as you're directed, I guess, in that situation. So. Well, we'll move along to November 10th and we'll mentioned that uh, Bill and Ted three film collection has been issued, which contains all of the 
the uh, the Bill and Ted trio, all three of these films, the excellent adventure and the bogus journey and the recent face the music. Mm. And uh, so anyway, these have been issued as a is a three pack I think from Warner Warner Brothers. I uh, can't say that I'm a big fan of these films. I uh, saw the first one in a theater, and had I not been on a date, I would have walked out. Uh, and I was 19 at the time. I was the target audience, but um, just did not find it funny at all. And so all, all this nostalgia for Bill and Ted was a little bit lost on me, and everybody was ex- so excited about this third film coming out. And uh, I thought, well, I'll give it a spin. And it, it was worse than I could have imagined, this third one. It just really is insufferable and just hard for me to get through. My son watched it with me, and he's 19, and he felt the same way. So it wasn't, wasn't just me. So uh, not a fan of these films. I know that there are a lot of people who are, so who am I to argue? But, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we all have our differing opinions about some things, but... Anyway, the Hammer film *The Brides of Dracula* have been issued has been issued from uh, Scream Factory from 1960. Uh, this has got some a new transfer, some new extras. It's a collector's edition, and they've been uh, trotting out a lot of these Hammer titles. Scream Factory has Scream slash Shout Factory. I think it's uh, I'm not sure if it's Scream or Shout, but anyway. Uh, a film that I will recommend, uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this probably are fans of this anyway, uh, I think we're the same mindset, is Amazon Women on the Moon from 1987 has been issued by Kino uh, with a new audio commentary and all the previously released bonus features from the pretty stellar collector's edition uh, that was released by Universal about 10 years ago or so, 10, 15 years ago. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, deleted segments that uh, were not in the original film that made it to the television version. Huh. Uh, and um, some of them are, are actually pretty interesting, pretty pretty good. I uh, one of my one of my favorites is the uh, roast your dead your loved one sequence from the film where uh, the guy dies and they have a instead of, for his funeral they have a bunch of comedians to come in and roast him while his dead corpse lays there in the casket in front of the uh, church or whatever. Wow. Uh, that's always one of my favorites. And uh, they pretty, have Steve. Pretty Allen. dark, man. <laughs> dark and hysterical. It's uh, where you have Steve Allen saying such things as, uh, "We'll let Harvey put his two cents in as soon as we take him off his eyelids," and things of that nature. So, uh, good lord. <laughs> anyway, I find it to be hysterically funny in a dark way. Um, yeah, all I remember about that movie is there's an Arsenio Hall skit about a date, like he has a woman over, I think. And uh, isn't that yeah. Arsenio Hall or is that Michael Winslow? Well, no, Arsenio Hall is in it, but uh, his sequence has him – basically he has this day from hell. He comes home right. and he, he – I don't think there's a woman involved. He just – everything goes wrong. Like he tries to plug the television in and okay. he, he gets electrocuted yeah. and he uh, – the VCR tape uh, hits him in the head – spits out and hits him in the head and almost gives him a concussion. The bookshelf falls over on him and his uh, garbage disposal grabs his tie and chokes him to death and – Thanks. So. And then I remember the skit about the kid that uh, bought condoms. Yeah. And he was uh, he was celebrated as like the one thousandth customer or something. And there, and the, the confetti one. started shooting out, and the the reporter was like, "Right now, we're calling your parents to come join you in this celebration." Yeah. <laughs> Ralph Bellamy was the druggist in that sequence. Yeah. George, and to think I 
put talcum powder on your behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got some funny stuff in it. Oh, it's pretty good, I think. Um, and of course, we. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, what's I can't think of her name. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the the lady that uh, Phil Spector was murdered was Lana uh, Clarkson. To, yeah, Lana Clarkson. That's it. Yeah, she's in this film prominent, pretty prominently. She's in the actual Amazon Women on the Moon sequence of the mm. film, which is supposed yeah. to be a night parody of a 1950s sci-fi film. She's in it. Um. So yeah, it's uh, made by a bunch of directors uh, contributing segments. There's um, Joe Dante and John Landis and mm-hmm. Carl Gottlieb and some of those guys. But um, I think one of the funniest ones in it is the uh, parody of the old uh, movies of, that they did in the 30s about the dangers of things like Reefer Madness. There was a there's a parody of that uh, where the, uh, Paul Bartel is a a doctor lecturing uh, Carrie Fisher about her husband potentially having exposed her to uh, venereal disease. <laughs> it's filmed in black and white, and it's still. Well, I, the- I still remember the uh, the skit from the Kentucky Fried Movie, the whole zinc oxide and you. Oh, that's great too. They had yes. the industrial film yes. parody. That's great. That was great. Anyway, I, I've gone on enough about Amazon Women on the Moon, but I think it's a, quite a funny film. Uh, oh, and the uh, Ed Begley Jr. I forgot about that right quick before I shut up about it. It's the the Invisible Man, the son of the Invisible Man, where they uh, parody the old uh, '30s Universal horror films, and it's I mean it looks an, exactly like a 1930s uh, Universal horror film. And Ed Begley, he's he's taken a serum and convinced he's invisible, but the thing is he's not really invisible, and yet he takes his clothes off and goes in public, <laughs> thinks that nobody can see him, so he's walking around naked and. <laughs> That's He's funny. Like, Ever seen a shirt? Dial the phone. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's it's worth your time if you have not seen it. So, um, uh, we'll move along to nineteen. Oh, and Kino has put that out, and there are some newly discovered uh, outtakes that Joe Dante recently discovered when he was going through his archives that have been included on this. So this this release is worth it if you want some because there's new extras here too. Uh, the 1978 film Girlfriends has been issued by Criterion. Mm. And yeah. uh, I saw that recently, uh, so I would be able to talk about it because I'd never seen it before. And it's uh, not bad of its type. Claudia – is it the Claudia Vial? Is that how you pronounce her name? I think it is. Directed and wrote this film. It was a micro-budgeted film, but she was somehow able to get Eli Wallach and Christopher Guest in here. And uh, they're in this film. And uh, Melanie Myron, of course, plays the uh, – uh, the, the main role, it's basically about two girlfriends who uh, have been together a long time, and one of them decides to move out and get married. Yeah. Bob Balaban is in it, too, as well. That's the other one. And uh, anyway, it's it's kind of a character study. It doesn't not very plot-heavy, but um, it's an interesting, quirky little uh, gem from the late 70s that I would recommend for people who like indie, cin- uh, indie cinema of that time frame. I, uh, it held my attention, and I, uh, I'm not going to say it's the best thing I've ever seen, but it's, it has its charms. So anyway, Girlfriends has been issued by uh, Criterion with new extras and a new transfer, and it definitely needed one. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, a couple more Clint Eastwood films from Kino. Let's uh, get to those. The Iger Sanction from 1975 and The Beguiled from 1971 all the beguiled obviously was also released the same year as play misty for me and the much better film yeah, I think. yeah it is a better movie 
And yet, again, throughout much of The Beguiled, you see Clint Eastwood's face where he's like, what am I going to do about these crazy women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It kind of plays in the same uh, wheelhouse a little bit, I think. Right? It does. Yes. Yes. It is a good dilemma to have to be in uh, to, to be stuck in a house with a bunch of lonely women, uh, most of them attractive. So that's a it's a pretty good dilemma, I guess. So uh, <laughs> anyway, a uh, couple more Scream Shout Factory releases: War of the Colossal Beast from 1958, which was a sequel to The Amazing Colossal Man, and How to Make a Monster from 1958. So both of those have been. Have been issued. Um, back to that Clint Eastwood film. Have you uh, have you ever seen the Iger Sanction? That's a blind spot for me. I don't know. Um, I have not seen it. I haven't. No. Yeah, that has a John Williams score. Yeah, right I've heard the score. Yeah. But I haven't seen the movie. I was just wondering because uh, I hear some people, you know, it got terrible reviews when it came out, and yet some people say it's not nearly as bad as it's. Was originally reported to be. So I remember years ago rewatching uh, *Pale Rider* and mm-hmm. enjoying it quite a bit. I mean, I know people blasted it for the, how solemn and serious it was, but I just took the whole, the whole mythological kind of element of it, mm-hmm. uh, literally, and uh, I enjoyed it on that basis. I haven't seen that in a long time. I, I should go back and revisit that. That would be a good idea. Because, you know, if you look at it like he is some kind of – like he is death, he is avenging angel, mm-hmm. or – he doesn't even have a character name, I don't think, other than Preacher or something. But it it play, it play it's pretty interesting to watch it with yeah. that in mind. Yeah, I, uh, I should go back and revisit that and The Outlaw Josie Wales. Both of those, it's been a long time for me. So, yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, out of all of those movies, you get like um, – Put all those movies together, and you get like two emotions. It's it's good uh, <laughs> from, from from Eastwood's performances. <laughs> Running the gamut from A to B. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so the Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast Blu-ray set uh, had uh. gone out of print, has now been reissued by Arrow. This is 14 movies directed by the King of Splatter, uh, the guy who kind of pioneered it, I guess. 1963 to 1972, 14 movies, 1175 minutes worth of movies here. Oh, good lord! <laughs> so uh, this includes all the usual suspects like Blood Feast and uh, 2000 Maniacs, and you know all that stuff. So if you are a Herschel Gordon Lewis fan or completist and don't have this already, it's it is out there uh, from Arrow, as is Burst City which is a 1982 futuristic film uh, from Japan set in a barren futuristic Tokyo of highways and wastelands. It's um, about a rowdy group of punk bands and their fans gathering together to protest the destruction of a nuclear power plant. And riot police and the factory owner's Yakuza friends move in to try to break it up. So it's kind of an action, a musical action film, Burst City, which has a huge cult following and... uh, Anyway, Arrow has released this with a new batch of extras and a new transfer. Uh, I think there's an interview with the director there. Hmm. So I wanted to to mention that for anybody who remembers this film or has a, a fondness for it. Burst City. 
And we have Bustin' Loose from 1981, starring Richard Pryor and Cicely Tyson. I think this is one of his stronger films from the 80s. You know, he kind of uh, went on a downward slide during the 80s. It wasn't Richard Pryor's strongest decade. Yeah. And I think this is the one where he's a convict who's tasked with getting a busload of handicapped kids across the country, I believe it is. And uh, there's some funny moments there. It, uh, anyway, Bustin' Loose issued by Kino with some new extras, new commentary. And uh, Death Laid an Egg from 1968, starring Gina Lola Brigida, has been issued by Cult Epics. One movie and two different cuts in this movie. Um, I did not get a review copy of that one, so I can't really say too much about that. But um, anyway, Death Laid an Egg has been issued by Cult Epics. And another Arrow release would be Silent Running has been issued by uh, Arrow Video. And a new, with a new transfer, and all the previous extras have been kept intact, and there are a few new ones. This is the uh, 1972 directorial debut of special effects maestro Douglas Trumbull, four years after his work on 2001, and it's about uh, Bruce Dern being the a man who is tasked with um, saving the Earth's last vegetation. Hmm. Uh, and this uh, the last vegetation from planet Earth is now in a floating ter- terrarium, and he's in charge of making sure that it survives. And uh, anyway, uh, again, a film that uh, a lot of people have a fondness for, and I among them. I, th- I think it's pretty good, uh, except for the Joan Baez warbling on the soundtrack every now and then. That's a little distracting, but nothing against Joan Baez, but just not quite to. Doesn't quite fit in with that movie uh, for me. But <laughs> anyway, um, so the biopic, uh, presidential biopics are not a new thing. And uh, this is one of the early ones, I would, I guess you would say, from 1942, Tennessee Johnson, which is a biopic of Andrew Johnson. And why MGM would make a glossy biopic about the first president to be impeached, I'm not sure. Uh, but <laughs> And yet they did. Um, what year 1942 and not except this stars Van Heflin as Andrew Johnson also stars Lionel Barrymore and Ruth Hussey and Marjorie Maine it includes a uh, the screen real screen guild radio broadcast of June July 5th 1943 with Gary Cooper and Ruth Hussey a classic Tom and Jerry cartoon baby puss a classic MGM short heavenly music and a theatrical trailer Mm. Um, it's a. Uh, I did get a chance to look at it, and it's okay. But it's uh, a lot of the facts are kind of glossed over in this one. So if you're looking for historical accuracy, you'd probably uh, need to go into it knowing that it is not necessarily an, an accurate portrait of the life and times of Andrew Johnson. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Um, a Rainy Day in New York from 2019 was the Woody Allen movie that was uh, canceled in America because of, uh, well, for obvious reasons. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but Amazon had a deal for, to distribute Woody Allen movies, and they uh, chose to cancel that deal. And so uh, MPI has picked up the distribution rights, and they have released A Rainy Day in New York, which for one one or two weeks was the number one film at the box office in the country. 
if back in the springtime when uh, everything went into shutdown mode, it stars uh, Timothy Chalamet, L. Fanning, Selena Gomez, Jude Law, and Lee Schreiber. I have seen it. It's okay. It's certainly not the best Woody Allen that we've seen, but uh, you know he's revisiting familiar tropes. Selena Gomez surprisingly is uh, better than I would have expected in this film. Yeah. You think of her as just a pop singer and. Not much else, but she's surprisingly effective in this one. So, um, well, you never know. Uh, a couple of Paramount releases, The Odd Couple 2 and The Stooge have been issued by Paramount. The Stooge, of course, with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. And the Odd Couple 2 was the final film pairing of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon after a long and distinguished uh, group of films that they had done together over the years. That was the final time they appeared together. And I wish it could have been on a higher note. I had high hopes for that because I love the original Odd Couple and just was so excited when it came out, knowing it was penned by Neil Simon. And I guess he kind of uh, just didn't have a lot uh, of inspiration based on what I recall from the film. <laughs> it wasn't that good. Yeah. But, uh, can only coast on the uh, the goodwill of Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon for so long. Anyway, uh, so we'll move on to November 17th, and the 1988 film Twins was released as a Shout Select title. Mm. And uh, what can you say about Twins with um, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger? There's been talk of a sequel for years. I don't know if that's ever going to materialize. But... Um, Anyway, uh, it has been issued with uh, some new special features. Um, uh, I think there may be a commentary there. Was that Schwarzenegger's first comedy? I think it was. Yeah, it was before Kindergarten Cop and before I mean, Junior. In, yeah, intentional comedy. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai has been issued by Criterion uh, with some with a new transfer and some fresh extra, extras. The Jim Jarmusch film from 1999, uh, commentaries and featurettes and all that stuff, and new transfer and a booklet. Criterion has given it the the deluxe treatment for Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. And they've also done a uh, nice job with Moonstruck, which has been issued with a new 4K digital restoration approved by director Norman Jewison, who's still among us, thankfully. Audio commentary from 1998 featuring Jewison, actor Cher, and screenwriter John Patrick Shanley, and an introduction from 2013 featuring Cher. And there's a new interview with Shanley on this disc, a new interview with scholar Stefano Albertini about the opera in the film, and archived interviews from 87 with Vincent Gardini and Olympia Dukakis, and a 2002 interview with actor Danny Aiello. Uh, Gardenia and Aiello are sadly no longer with us, so it's nice to have them on here talking about the, the film. Anyway, uh, a 2006 program about the making of the film called At the Heart of an Italian Family and the Music of Moonstruck, which is a 2006 program featuring interviews with the uh, director and composer of the film's soundtrack, Dick Hyman. So anyway, Moonstruck has been issued uh, by Criterion in one of their deluxe editions and it still works, you know. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I revisited it, and um, it's a nice romantic comedy. Hmm. It's well done. Did you uh, did you have fond memories of it, or uh, I barely have any memories of it. 
Yeah, uh, I, I didn't... did. I did watch it when it opened, but I, <clears throat> you know, I haven't even felt the notion to revisit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I had not seen it uh, in many many years, but it was nice to to revisit. So Mill Creek has issued a Hammer twenty film set, the Ultimate Collection, which includes a lot of. Uh, Hammer films, obviously, all in one place. The Revenge of Frankenstein, Camp on Blood Island, Yesterday's Enemy, Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, Never Take Candy from a Stranger, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, The Gorgon, Die, Die, My Darling, The Old Dark House, Maniac, those are a few that you'll find in this set. Also, It's a Wonderful Life has been issued in a 4K steelbook set from Paramount. Really a beautiful upgrade to ultra high definition it looks so beautiful and gorgeous in the black and white and you also get a blu-ray of the colorized version if you must see it's a wonderful life in color well on the second disc you get that bonus blu-ray so exactly as it was meant to be seen yeah now, it's a wonderful life that's in the public domain isn't it yes yeah mm-hmm. no 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 actually it is not no no i take that back it used um, to be it used to be it is no longer republic pictures bought the rights to it and I think NBC has the exclusive rights to showing it on broadcast. Mm. So uh, nobody but NBC can, can show it nowadays. And Republic is the only one who – and I think they're licensed by Paramount. That's why Paramount got it because they they, uh, they have the licensing rights to most of the Republic Pictures stuff. So anyway, uh, no, it, there was a time obviously when it was in the public domain as we all know. But that uh, that is no more. So, a Rita Hayworth 12-film collection has been issued. Uh, includes Music in My Heart, You'll Never Get Rich, Tonight and Every Night, Down to Earth, Pal Joey, Fire Down Below, The Loves of Carmen. Uh, there's quite a few films to behold if you're a, a fan of Rita Hayworth. This is a Mill Creek release as well. Uh, same company that put out the previously mentioned Hammer box set. And The Killing Floor from 1984 was actually a film that was made for PBS American Playhouse, praised by the Village Voice as the most clear-eyed account of union organizing on film. Hmm. This is directed by Bill Duke, and it tells the little-known true story of an African-American migrant, Frank Custer, played by Damian Leake, in his struggle to help build an interracial union in the Chicago stockyards and to bring his wife, Maddie, played by Alfred Woodard, and family up north. And the screenplay was by Leslie Lee, based on an original story by the producer of the film, Elsa Rossbach. And it uh, led uh, the events of this film led to the, um, the racial tensions led to the Chicago race riot of 1919. Anyway, it, uh, it has always been highly recommended and uh, well-reviewed. So The Killing Floor from director Bill Duke has been finally reissued by Film Movement and up- upgraded with a new 4K restoration. And there's some uh, nice extras here, too, including an introduction by the director. So The Killing Floor from 1984. And let's see what else we have here. The 1954 feature film Dragnet, starring Jack Webb, has been issued by Kino. This is uh, obviously a uh, back when they would do theatrical films based on television series and that's what this was so um, anyway uh, there you have it 
and a couple more keynote titles, So Sweet, So Dead from 1972 and Grace of My Heart from 1996, which uh, I think directed by Allison Andrews and yeah. starring Ileana Douglas. It's a pretty good one, I would say. Um, Ulysses from 1954 has also been issued by Kino. That's Kirk Douglas. Uh, stars in that. Rio Grande, or Rio Grande. Uh, John Wayne stars in that. That's a new signature edition from Olive. They have released that with a new uh, special edition with lots of bells and whistles. A lot of uh, new features and a new transfer. And... Let's see what else we have here. We're, oh, yeah, this is an interesting one. This is a curio from uh, November uh, 18th. Saw the release of Massacre at Central High, which has been a long sought after title. Uh, this is a film that's kind of people have tried to uh, put it away. They don't want to talk about it because it's basically about a, uh, a high school student who massacres his classmates. Uh, hmm. Not all at one time, but. Um, he kills the bullies in the school systematically one by one and then realizes that once you get rid of the bullies in the school, then other people take their place, and it's a never-ending cycle. So it's a very intelligently done film about school violence, and it was made in 1976, stars uh, your favorite, Andrew Stevens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> huh. And uh, but it's it's a very it's a it's a really well done film. Uh, I mentioned this because most of the extras on this edition were uh, con the interviews and all of that stuff were conducted and put together by Mike White, our uh, our friend over at the projection booth. So he was heavily involved in this release. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I know he did a uh, an episode of uh, the projection booth devoted to this film, which I am a huge fan of, and he had kind of. Uh, mentioned or kind of made uh, a little mention that something was in the works, but there was nothing official official mentioned about it until uh, the star of the film, Daryl Morey, who I'm friends with on Facebook, alerted me that it was coming down the pike, and I was like, "Oh, this is terrific!" So it's in a steel book uh, set with a, ba a uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I think there's interviews with the director, Renee Dalter. I think he he worked on the film RoboCop later on. He's a production designer or something. But anyway, I think this may have been his only directorial credit, but uh, it's it's well worth seeing, I would say, for, for anybody who's a fan of 70s horror cinema. It's a lot more intelligent than, than you would expect from a title like that. So anyway, Massacre at Central High is in a steelbook and a non-steelbook edition from Synapse. Uh, that was been issued. I think it's um, – you have to – I think you can only order it online, I think. So anyway, um, so we're moving along to November 24th, uh, moving along pretty quickly here. We have The Irishman has been issued on a physical disc from Criterion, given the Criterion treatment. So for fans of uh, last year's Oscar nominee, Best Picture, uh, which came up completely empty-handed, um, unfortunately. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. <coughs> it uh, really is. Yeah. Uh, and then, then speaking of what we were speaking of earlier, the, there was a person on Facebook. I don't remember who it was, but they posted something that said, God, the Irishman is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> oh, jeez. I was like, yeah, you wow. haven't seen very many movies, have you? Ugh. No kidding. Yeah, that's like, like we were talking about saying The Godfather 3 is the worst movie ever made. Now I... Uh, 
It's not perfect, but uh, I can name at least a dozen without even thinking. Yeah. So, what you get? What do you get as extras on the uh, the, the uh, Blu-ray release of The Irishman? Well, you get Making the Irishman, which is a 37-minute documentary. You get uh, Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci, which is a, a roundtable discussion of about 20 minutes. Gangster's Requiem, which is a visual essay that goes on about 22 minutes. Anatomy of a Scene is a six-minute featurette. And The Evolution of De-Aging is seen in The Irishman, which goes on. It's a 13-minute featurette. So nice little booklet there. So uh, if you are... A fan of the Irishman, I would uh, I would recommend picking this up. Um, uh, you know, it's nice that some of these movies that were produced by Netflix are getting hard disk releases because that really did worry me there for a little while. I was concerned that some of these films may, you know, when they decide to pull them from streaming, they may be gone forever. Yeah, and I'm glad that's not the case. Scorsese commentary would have been nice. I mean, I understand it's a three and a half hour, yeah, movie, but. It would have, but um, anyway, at least we have it on hard disk, in a physical physical format. Mad Max has been issued in 4K Ultra HD by Kino, with some new extras, new commentaries, uh, new featurettes, and obviously a new transfer, which I hear is pretty impressive. The original Mad Max, uh, starring of course Mel Gibson, The Essential Fellini, is a huge box set that has been released by Criterion. It includes just about every Fellini film made from between 1950 and 1987. There are a few that are missing because of licensing issues, but for the most part, all of the Fellini films are in this set. And uh, you will find them there. Buck Rogers in the 25th century, uh, the, both the feature film, if you remember, it was a theatrical film, and then they turned it into a television series. Uh, the series and the film have all been issued in one nice box set that... Uh, I think it's both seasons of the uh, the show. I think it ran for two years, 79 to 81, but it also has the theatrical film. That's the reason I'm mentioning it. So um, anyway, uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the Academy Award winner for Best Picture from 1945, The Lost Weekend, uh, a pretty amazing and well ahead of its time film from Billy Wilder, the first film, I think, to tackle the subject of alcoholism. Uh, Ray Milland. Ray, Ray Milland. Yes, it's a very. It holds up. It holds up. I rewatched it uh, earlier this year. Pacino always is, tells the story of when he was a little kid. He saw that movie, and he the first thing he remembered acting out was the scene of Ray Milland trying to find a bottle, and uh, he'd perform it for his family, and they'd all laugh, and he'd be like, "What are you laughing at? This is a serious scene." It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, uh, the uh, the 1969 film directed by David Green and starring uh, it's uh, starring Jenny Agutter and Simon Ward, uh, I Start Counting, is uh, a film that's long been sought after by uh, film collectors. It's been issued by a new upstart company called Fun City. Hmm. And uh, anyway, they they found the original 35 millimeter. Uh, it's a 2K restoration from a 35mm interpositive. The plot of the film is a 14-year-old girl coming to ter- comes to terms with her sexuality and discovers her adored brother may be gu- guilty of a series of bizarre sex crimes. And uh, like I said, it's it's held in pretty high regard. Uh, it gets a 7.3 on IMDb and a 
76% popularity. I I have not seen it. What's it called? I Start Counting from 1969, starring uh, Jenny Gutter and directed by David Green. But um, I, I'm aware of it, and I wanted to mention if there are people who are, are fans of that title. And you know, that's um, So if nothing else, this month has provided us with two rarely seen films, Massacre at Central High and I Start Counting, getting uh, some love. So that's wow. that's something. Just in time for Halloween, yes. <laughs> a little bit late on that, but uh, anyway, uh, so William Greffey, uh, William Greffey, I can't ever pronounce his name right. He's a director based out of Florida. He's been active a long time, since the mid-60s, and still around, still among us. He's only, uh, he's 91 now. But uh, anyway, Arrow has put together a box set of the majority of his films. Sting of Death, Death Curse of Tartu, The Hooked Generation, The Psychedelic Priest, The Naked Zoo, Mako, The Jaws of Death, and Whiskey Mountain all have been put into one box set, six movies, 736 minutes, and a documentary also called uh, They Came from the Swamp, which is a documentary about his life and time. So anyway, uh, if you're a fan of William Greffe's work, uh, the good folks at Arrow have done a terrific job issuing, putting the bulk of it all. I think the only thing that may be missing there is Stanley, a film he did about a guy who trains snakes to kill people. That may be the only one missing, and that's a that's a fun movie. I saw that when I was a kid. So uh, anyway, wanted to bring that one out and make make mention of it. Uh, two more Warner Archive releases: the musical from 1948, The Pirate, starring Judy Garland and Gene Kelly, has been issued with a a few uh, MGM shorts and cartoons to go along with it, and Libeled Lady from 1936, which is a a film that's had a really spotty history on home video. It's considered to be one of the great um, uh, comedies from the 30s. It stars Gene Harlow and William Powell and Myrna Loy and Spencer Tracy. And um, it's basically uh, the story of a uh, society diva who slaps Spencer Tracy with a libel suit. Um about a sports fisherman without peer, doom and waders to the williest trout. That's what it what? says. Uh, Tracy enlists fiance Harlow and down on his luck Powell in a counter maneuver involving a rigged marriage, a phony seduction, a fabulously funny fishing scene, fisticuffs, broken promises and hearts. Anyway, it's um, like I said, it's one of those classic screwball romantic comedies that that has a uh, uh, it is well spo- spoken well of. And uh, Warner Archive has gone back and done a complete restoration. Uh, the I don't think I think the original negative was lost in a fire, mm. an MGM fire back in the 60s, and so they've had to go back and do a lot of work on this, and uh, it looks quite good. Um, it also includes a WB comedy short, Keystone Hotel, MGM short, New Shoes, MGM cartoon, Little Cheezer, an audio-only Leo is on the air radio promo, and the theatrical trailer. So the libeled lady, starring Gene Harlow, William Powell, Myrna Loy, and Spencer Tracy, has been issued. A tourist trap from 1979 has gone under a uh, gone through a new restoration and being issued by VH, uh, Full Moon Features in VHS retro packing packaging. And this is the uncut version. I think previous releases had a scene that's been trimmed from some of the prints and they've gone back and found the original uncut print of tourist trap. It, um, 
stars Chuck Connors. It's about these uh, mannequins that come to life and kill people, and it has a pretty effective score by Pino Donazio. Yeah. So it's very, very oddball score. Yeah. It is. It is. So The Other Side of Madness is a film from 1971 that I wasn't really uh, familiar with, but it's being released by the film Detective. Put put out some of these things and the um, the film detective. Yeah, the film detective. Uh, I mentioned this. It might be something you would be interested in. It's a mixture of documentary footage and reenactment scenes. Some filmed on the action loca- action actual locations of the infamous Tate LaBianca murders kid- committed by the gang known as the Manson family. Uh, but it's called The Other Side of Madness, and I think it's um it's like a a somewhat fictionalized version of the the Manson murders, but uh, filmed on some of the actual locations. And 1971. Um, yeah, 1971. And I'm looking at some of the screenshots. There's one here at the corner of Benedict Canyon and Cielo Drive, and looks quite interesting. Okay, I think I tried to watch this one time. Okay. Is it still rated X? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, and that was, I think that was notable because it was, it might have been the first movie to try to capitalize on this Manson thing. Because I think the the documentary Manson, the one that was the Academy Award winner, that was 73, I think. That's right. Hmm. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, well, anyway, I thought I'd mention it. uh, So you say it, uh... It looked like it was kind of uh, unwatchable, huh? I couldn't get past the <clears throat> excuse me. I couldn't get past the first scene. Uh, the um, what is the name of that? Mo- oh, the Zodiac Killer. Did you ever see that movie? That that cheap piece of crap that was only made to to kind of capture and lure the real Zodiac Killer. I'm aware of it. I did not see it, and I know Film Detective is the same company that put that one out. So. Okay. That's why that came to mind. It's the yep. same same MO. It is. Yep. Right right in the same wheelhouse. So yeah. It surely is. Well anyway, uh so Vinegar Syndrome has issued Deadly Games in four K. Uh, I'm not familiar with this title from nineteen eighty nine. Um Paramount has issued We're No Angels from nineteen fifty five. Oh, okay. Uh that's uh, Humphrey Bogart of course. One of his Last films, I think. And then we have uh, Cemetery of Terror from Vinegar Syndrome from 1985. And I think um, this is an Italian, or maybe it's an you know, it's a Mexican horror film directed by Ruben Galindo Jr. So there is that. And we also have... Um, Let's see, A Thousand and One Nights from 1969 and The Jewish Soul, 10 Classics of Yiddish Cinema. Those are two other releases from Kino Lorber, as is The King of the Mountain, starring Harry Hamlin from 1981. That was uh, about the guy who races his car around Mulholland Drive just for kicks and drag races, and it takes place in L.A. locales. Uh, I know I had a friend that was... Guy, a person I was quite friendly with in high school who was a big fan of this film. He used to talk about it quite a bit. So I remember King of the Mountain. It turned up on cable a lot in the early 80s. So 
Anyway, xenophobia is a Laurel and uh, Oliver Hardy actually without Oliver Hardy without Laurel without Stan Laurel. He's paired here with Harry Langdon, 1939 film uh, has been issued. And then we have Il Bodoni. I think these are some of the uh, the Fellini films are being issued separately. I'm sorry, Il Bodoni okay. is one of those, and we have a couple others. Uh, yeah, Armacord. Some of the ones that we mentioned earlier are being issued by Criterion if you want to get them separately. Wonder Boys from 2000 is being issued by Paramount, starring Michael Douglas, of course. That's been kind of hard to find over the years. What's it called? Uh, Wonder Boys. Oh, oh, Wonder Boys. Okay. Yeah, the one with um, Michael Toby Douglas. McGuire. Yeah, Toby McGuire. It's kind of. I know it was very well reviewed. Curtis Hansen directed, but it's been kind of. Uh, I think in on home video it hasn't been reissued in since it originally came out. I don't think so. Yeah. It's nice to see it get a high definition. I remember being uh, thinking it was pretty good of its type. I, yeah, it's um, all right. I mean, I w- it was really exceptionally reviewed. Like it was. Yeah. A, yeah, it was a big. Uh, a big generational movie, but I remember the there was another one the uh, that was also well reviewed that solitary King of California or something. Yeah, I was thinking Solitary Man, the Brian Koppelman, or is that his name Koppelman? Uh, solitary Man. It was another Michael Douglas. Uh, Susan Sarandon was in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't think much of that, but I, I liked <laughs> I, I liked Wonder Boys. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I thought I didn't think it quite lived up to the hype of the the critical love for it, but I did like it. Uh, I, I guess that's the way I remember it. Anyway, uh, Riders of Death Valley from 1941 is another Kino release. Want to mention that one? Um, and then we'll move along to to uh, November 27th, and we have uh, a few titles here from Vinegar Syndrome. I mentioned these, and uh, this will be actually it for the month. But we have uh, the Beastmaster has been issued in 4K. Believe it or not, believe it or not. Did they uh, find? About, did they find the print? Uh I forget how they wound up doing the restoration, but they, I think they had to use a. Uh, somehow or another, they were able to work around it. I can't remember what the story is, but yeah, they could not find the original negative. It appears to be lost. But somehow or another, they they found a workable solution, and apparently it looks good. Uh, the work uh, they were able to complete it to do their 4K restoration. It has been issued. It was issued last uh, on the November the 27th, as I said. Um, Fade to Black is a film that's been really hard to find over the years. I think it was issued by Anchor Bay about 20 years ago or something. This is the one with. Um, uh, Dennis Christopher plays a lonely movie buff who goes after his enemies by recreating death scenes from from his favorite horror films. Mm-hmm. And he's even has a girlfriend that looks like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's uh, it's I'm glad Fade to Black is being issued. I I like it. Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting and uh, forgotten film, and it shouldn't shouldn't be quite so forgotten. It's uh, it's worth seeing. Don't Panic and Action USA. Don't Panic from 1988 and Action USA from 1989. I'm not really familiar with either of these titles, but those were 
Two more, and Silent Madness from 1984. All of these are horror titles from Vinegar Syndrome. And then we have Forgotten Gialli, Volume 2, from 1972 to 1974. And I'm not sure what titles are in there, but uh, that's that's a batch of Italian horror films, obviously. Thank you. 